Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Three Point Threat Podcast. I am your host, Jared Woodcox. Excited to be back on the show after a great week of Utah Jazz basketball. Um, obviously, uh, hard to imagine a week going much better than that. The Jazz went 3-0. and They've now won five straight. Um, I don't know really what to say other than I'm excited. I'm excited to see what lies ahead. I know we have a long season still to go. Um, there's going to be a lot more challenging games than the five that we've just won straight. But still, things are looking really good in Jazzland, and I can't wait to see what the future holds. For today's three points, I'm on the three-point threat. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about Donovan Mitchell. Honestly, he's been so impressive lately uh, that I think he deserves his own point all to himself. So I'll be kicking off the show st- um, talking about him to start. Uh, for the point number two, there's kind of just three narratives or I guess three just kind of impressions I have about the Utah Jazz that I wanted to talk about. Um, I'll get into what those are later, but just three kind of interesting points that I wanted to dive more into detail uh, for point number two. And then last of all, as I'm sure you're all accustomed to by now for point three, I'm going to preview the week ahead. The Jazz have four games this week. Obviously, we're in the scary month of December that we've all heard so much about where the Jazz play a lot of games against tough opponents, you know, a lot of games without much rest in between. Uh, They got off to a a good start by beating the Pelicans um, on Friday, so hopefully they can keep that up uh, throughout the month of December. Uh, but want to talk about this upcoming week and what we can expect for the Jazz. So with that all being said, going to dive right in now to point number one. Let's chat about Donovan Mitchell. Point one. So simply put, how much do you love this kid? Wow. I mean, I have had such a blast watching Donovan play. I think we all know he's been the brightest point about the Jazz this year. Um, I just, it, you can't find anything bad to say about him. I, mean, I know that he's a rookie. There's going to be some growing pains. He's still learning some parts of the game, but he has just been absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to get to his, obviously, is his 41-point explosion against New Orleans. But even before that, he had been playing so well. Um, you know, it almost just felt like he was he was due for a game like this where he really was the hero and he really took over. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened against the, the Pelicans on Friday. Obviously, the Jazz were down by 16 points in that game. Um, and then Donovan, he really came alive. He finished with 41, uh, 13 to 25 shooting from the field. That's 52%. He was 6 to 12 from three, which is obviously 50%. And then he also went 9 of 11 from the foul line during all that as well. And of course, you know, Jazz fans were really reveling in the fact that uh, those 41 points that Donovan scored uh, were more than Gordon Hayward's career high. And Mitchell's only played 23 games. So, you know, I I, I kind of I think it's pretty cool <laughs> to hear that actually. I know that we're kind of beating a dead horse with uh, dissing Hayward, but it's a pretty cool deal. That's all I got to say about it. It was pretty awesome to see Donovan in such a young point in his career do so well. But to me, it was more than just the numbers. I mean, obviously the 41 points was awesome, but more than anything, it was just the confidence that he played with, the fact that he rode the momentum and he carried the team in that fourth quarter. Um, there was a lot of things, you know, beyond just the points that I was really impressed with. And that's, you know, his leadership out there, the trust his teammates have in him. Again, we're talking about a guy that's played 23 games in the NBA, and he's already looking like he is on path to be perhaps even the Jazz's best player by the end of the year. You know, he's just playing phenomenally, and it's been awesome to watch. You know, some things I like about him that, that I know you guys have all noticed too is just his great shooting stroke, um, how good he's getting at finishing with his quick little, you know, Cuts to the basket, do a little scoop shot, pass the defender. Um, he burned DeMarcus Cousins, on one, DeMarcus Cousins excuse me, on one of those um, this past week. Uh, it's just been awesome. And the good news is he's going to keep getting better. He's still figuring things out. And so it's awesome to see where he's at so far. You know, the last five games, including the one against the Pelicans, um, his numbers are just phenomenal. I'll tell you what they are. He's averaging 21.8 points, um, 46.8% from the field, and 47.5% from deep. 
And you know, likely that's not sustainable. He may come back down to earth a little bit, but then again, who knows? Because this kid keeps surprising me. I keep having a ceiling of what I think he'll accomplish this year or of how good I think he's going to be. And he keeps just busting through that ceiling time and time and time again. And, you know, I think you guys will remember that early in the season and before the season started, I was like, well, I'm doing my best to pump the brakes on Donovan. I'm excited about him, but I just, I don't know how much we can expect from his rookie year. But every time I, I try to pump the brakes, you know, he just keeps... Uh, he keeps going on and, and proving that there's no reason to pump him because he's playing fantastically. At this point, I just think there's no way we can deny that he is going to be a star. You know, one 40-point game doesn't make you that, but there's so many other signs, you know, beyond that. Obviously, he's the first rookie to do so uh, since Blake Griffin in 2011. He just set the Utah Jazz rookie scoring record for a single game. And you can just see his improvement from game to game. He figures things out so quickly. It's not just his scoring. It's not just that he's putting up points. His passing's getting better. His decision-making is getting better. And I just don't know how you cannot think that Donovan Mitchell is lining up to be an absolute star. And that's great news. I think it's perfectly reasonable at this point, based on what we've seen, to, to assume that that's going to be the case. I know that I was one to want to pump the brakes early. But now, heck, you know what? He's shown me enough that I really do think he's going to be a star. The one thing I will say along with that, though, is that it is still important to remember that he is just a rookie. There's going to be some slumps still. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, some more off-shooting nights. Maybe he goes into a few-game slump and people kind of say, oh, is this going to be just a fluke or whatever? But the fact of the matter is, you know, that that can be expected in his rookie season. A lot of times, you know, it's pretty common for rookies to get a little bit worn out in their first NBA season. You know, you look at the college game and they play barely over 30 games in college. Well, we're almost to that point already. We still have about 52 more games to go after that. And, uh, you know, Donovan's going to he's gonna have to adjust to that, that it's a long grind in the NBA. So don't be surprised, you know, if there's some 5 for 20 shooting nights out there or, or another, you know, a couple nights where he has bad turnovers and things like that. He's still a rookie. He's still on his way to learning this game. But I think that we're all just blown away by how fast he's improving. And despite maybe some minor setbacks this year as he continues to grow, I have no problem and no question in my mind that he is going to be a star. Incredible to me that, you know, he already fits in so well with his team. You can tell they already trust him so much. And in a lot of ways, especially with Rudy Gobert out, Mitchell has absolutely been the heart and soul of this team. And the fact that they believe in him and trust in him enough to let a rookie become that is pretty awesome. We have a special guy on our hands, guys, and I just, I'm so glad that Donovan Mitchell is on this team. You know, people might think I'm crazy for saying this. Um, I know that Ben Simmons is the obvious front runner for Rookie of the Year, as he should be. Um, but I do think that Simmons will need to watch his back a little bit. I'm not about to say that Mitchell is the front runner as of right now, um, but I, I do think he's in second place easily. And if he can keep having these scoring outpourings and having as much of a positive impact on the Jazz as he has, like I said, Ben Simmons has got to watch his back for as good as he is. You just can't count out Donovan Mitchell just yet. He's still a dark horse candidate for that Rookie of the Year award, even if he's not the front runner right now. So that's my thoughts. Again, so glad to have him. He's so much fun to watch. I know you guys all agree with me. Um, love Donovan Mitchell a ton. With that being said, let's move on now to point number two. Uh, there's three impressions I have about the Utah Jazz that I want to talk to you guys about in a little bit more detail. Point two. So these three things that I want to mention, you know, all of them just a little bit briefly. The first one is about Quinn Snyder and, you know, kind of him being in the coach of the year discussion. I know we're very early in the year, so a lot of times we're not, you know, we're not able to put together a complete case for who should be coach of the year. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then after that, I want to talk about Derek Favors. Obviously, there's been a narrative among several Jazz fans that, you know, he should be traded. 
one of the Jazz should look to trade him and hopefully raise his stock this year and then, and then trade him you know, before the deadline, before he's an unrestricted free agent. I'll dive into that. Then last of all, I want to touch on Alec Burks and how much better he's been playing. But uh, going back to Quinn Snyder, you know, the biggest thing to me is I look at last year and I was so upset that he was not a finalist for Coach of the Year. Uh, you know, with that being said, I, honestly, Coach D'Antoni was my pick for Coach of the Year. I, I was, I did feel like he deserved to win it, and so I wasn't mad about that part of it. But the fact that Coach Snyder wasn't even in the top three in the, uh, those three finalists that really ticked me off because honestly, you have a guy in Coach Spolstra uh, who didn't even get his team to the playoffs. Then you have Coach Popovich, who we all know is a phenomenal coach, and in no way am I disputing that. But I mean, he has a couple of stars on his team in LaMarcus Aldridge and, of course, Kawhi Leonard, who's a superstar. And I didn't feel like he did anything that remarkable to be um, a candidate ahead of Quinn Snyder. And I don't say this to honestly insult Eric Spolstra or uh, Greg Popovich. I think they're both absolutely phenomenal coaches. I have nothing but respect for them. But last year, what Quinn Snyder did was way more impressive than what either of those two did. And he should have been a finalist. I mean, you look at how injured the Jazz were. Um, you know, how much Quinn had to change his rotations. And after all that, to still get the fifth seed in the West, it was absolutely remarkable. And so, obviously, that's last year. That's that's done and gone. But so far this season, you know, he's looking like he's going to be on a very similar path. Um, I mean, there, there's a long way to go still, as I said earlier. But, you know, if you consider how much Utah lost this offseason, you know, in Gordon Hayward and George Hill, you lose your two leading scorers. And you have to come in, you know, with, with some guys that are returning that have to just move into totally different roles because of the guys that you lost. And then you have a lot of new faces on the team as well. A lot of new people that were added or traded for um, in the case of Ricky Rubio. And you consider all of that. And that's a ton of adapting, a ton of adjusting that Quinn Snyder has to do. And then you look at, you know, we had this bad stretch early in the year where we lost eight of ten games. And it looked like, wow, the Jazz are going to be bad. You had all these people calling for us to tank. Um, obviously, they're kind of eating their words right now after the latest hot stretch. And then on top of all that, there's also the fact that, yet again, the Jazz have been so beat up. I mean, this winning streak has largely been without Rudy Gobert, obviously Dante Exum, Joe Johnson, and also Rodney Hood has missed the last couple um, with his injury as well. And so you consider all this, if the Jazz can keep up their hot play and eventually make the playoffs after all this adversity that they're facing now and that they, they will probably continue to face, Quinn Snyder just has to be a finalist for Coach of the Year, if not the Coach of the Year. I think he has to be in that conversation. Really bothers me that he's not brought up uh, for it more. And you just watch, you know, this Jazz team, and you can just tell that Quinn gets the most out of his players. Um, he adapts on the fly exceptionally well, not only to injuries, but also to his opponents. And there's a cool thing going on Twitter not long ago, just talking about all the different sets that he runs and how hard he is to prepare for for opposing coaches. And I think a lot of times you can just see that Quinn Snyder is in this coaching chess match and he wins. He comes out on top. And there's just so many reasons why I think he deserves to be in that conversation. And like I said, especially if he can keep the Jazz rolling after all the obstacles and adversity they've faced, he's got to be at least a finalist this year. Uh, next impression or next kind of narrative I wanted to talk about, a lot of Jazz fans have alluded to the fact that they want to trade Derek Favors. You know, this kind of dates back to last year when he was really struggling. And for those of you who follow me on the jnotes.com, you probably already saw my recent piece, uh, but I wrote one that was entitled, Dear Utah Jazz, Please Don't Trade Derek Favors. And in a nutshell, what I talk about in that is pretty much that he's playing far too well. Uh, he has too much chemistry with the team. He's been too good to the Jazz despite some frustrations he could easily have. And he's simply too valuable to be traded. And, you know, it's not all that long ago that there was a big debate whether he or Gordon Hayward was the best player on this team. 
We all know he had a bad, bad year last year. I think Derek Favors himself would be the first to admit that. He wasn't healthy. He was playing on one leg for most of the, most of the year. But that one single year does not define his career or who he is as a player uh, or who he is right now. He's been absolutely phenomenal of late. Uh, during Utah's five-game winning streak, just listen to these numbers. He's, he's putting up 18.6 points on 73.1% shooting from the field to go along with nine rebounds, 3.4 assists, 1.2 blocks, and 1.2 steals. In other words, he's doing a little bit of everything, and it shows. You know, it's beyond the numbers. You just, you just see him out there on the court, and he's hustling. Uh, he looks more explosive than he ever did last year, and Favors is playing great. On top of that, he and Donovan Mitchell have been one of the best duos for the Utah Jazz as well. When those two are on the floor together, the Jazz play exceedingly well. And it's just really obvious the two of them have a great dynamic, a great relationship, a great friendship. You know, we've seen uh, Donovan water down Derek Favors with the water bottle. After uh, Donovan Mitchell's 41-point game, uh, Derek Favors got revenge and, and sprayed him down with the water bottles. And it's just it's just awesome to see those two. And when one of them has a big play, the other is almost always the first one in there to, to congratulate him. And there's a special chemistry there, guys. And it's not just something that's that they're buddies. They really are connecting well on the court. And you know their their ratings together and their plus minus together when those two are together are on the court, it, it just proves it all. And so I guess my biggest question there is, you know, we know that Donovan Mitchell is clearly the future of this team. Why would the Jazz want to move the guy who he seems to be having one of the best connections with and seems to be thriving the most with? I just think it's way way too premature to move favors based on how well he is playing with Donovan Mitchell, who is our future. With that being said, I know the big concern, obviously, is favors and Gobert coexisting, and I totally get it. I mean, the two of them on the floor, it, it hurts the spacing. Um, it, it's been a struggle for the Jazz to score this year, early in the year, when both Rudy and favors were playing. But as several people have pointed out, I don't think the spacing issue comes so much with um, you know, just Favors and Gobert as it is more with the trio of Favors, Gobert, and Rubio on the floor because the fact of the matter is just that Rubio is not um, a threatening shooter. You know, The opposing defenses aren't worrying about him all that much. And so when you have Favors and Gobert you know, down low, plus Rubio's defender being sucked down more towards the paint because he's not worried about Rubio, that's when the spacing really gets shut down. There's plenty of convincing numbers from last year and even in this year that when Favors and Gobert are on the floor without Rubio, they can do just fine with one another. So, you know, I guess my principal hope would be that Quinn Snyder can figure out the best way to utilize both of them. Um, because although Favors has thrived as the back, sorry, as the starting center, although he's thrived as a starting center with, with Rudy Gobert out, it doesn't make sense to just have him be exclusively the backup center because he's far too talented to just play the, those backup minutes. Um, when Gobert was healthy this season, you know, he was averaging right around 34 minutes per game, a little bit less than that, but right around 34 minutes. And if he kept that up once he's back, that would leave just 14 total minutes for Favors the backup center. And that just doesn't make sense. That's not going to make Favors happy. That's not going to raise his trade value if, if you know trading him was the route to go. There's just no possible benefit to only playing Favors 14 minutes. So in other words, the Jazz have to find a way to where at least for, you know, maybe it's 10 minutes a game or something along those lines. But the Jazz have to figure out the best way to, to make Favors and Gobert work with one another. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have the exact answer to that, but I hope that Quinn Snyder does. You know, one suggestion a lot of people have had is that, you know, maybe you start favors um, at the four with Rubio at, at the one and um, Gobert at the five, and then you take favors out and uh, Rubio not far into the game, um, and you kind of do a switch that way. Then you have, you know, favors taking the backup center minutes from there, and you kind of do more of an alternation uh, pattern that way. But I just don't like, we, we know... 
we, we've, we've already been able to see that the, uh, the, the Rubio favors Gobert trio is not effective together. Why would we want to start games out that way? You know, slow starts have plagued us this year, especially when we were struggling. Why would we want to start with, with a trio that we know is almost guaranteed to give us a slow start? It just doesn't quite seem like the right thing for me. Honestly, I would sooner see Rubio move to the bench than Favors, and maybe that's what's going to be the case. All I know is that, that Favors has been playing too well right now. He has too much chemistry with this team. You know, he's been too loyal to the Jazz through thick and thin, through trade rumors, through injuries, through everything. I just don't think it's wise for the, for the Jazz to deal him at this point. Honestly, I know this is a small sample size, and it's probably unfair to say this, but up to this point in the season, uh, Derek Favors has been a more effective center than Rudy Gobert had um, before he went down with injury. And I'm not saying that to be you know critical of Rudy. I think Rudy Gobert is a fantastic player. He's he's been the heart and soul of this team uh, for you know all last year and while he was playing this year. But Favors has looked really really good, and that can't be overlooked. Uh, the one thing I will say is yes, we know that Favors is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he could just take off at the end of this year and go somewhere else. Maybe he really is frustrated with the Jazz deep down because of some of the things I've mentioned, and he is planning to take off. If that's the case, and if the Jazz are aware of that, then I guess that would be the exception to my please don't trade him because, of course, I'd rather get something back in return than lose him for nothing. Um, but I hope that that's something that they'll be able to have an open conversation with him about because I feel like if Favors feels valued, if he can figure out a way to work well with Rudy Gobert and he gets the playing time that he deserves, based on how we've seen him react and act around Donovan Mitchell and how well he's played with Donovan Mitchell, I feel like the Jazz could convince him to stay and that he will want to stay with the Jazz, not just be feeling like he's being dragged into it. I think there's a very real possibility that Derek Favors will want to stay put if the situation is right. So there's a lot of figuring that has to be done based on how he's going to fit in with the team once Rudy Gobert is back. But with how he's played lately and just, you know, who he's been for this Jazz team ever since he joined. I just don't feel right about the Jazz moving him. Um, we'll see what happens, though. You know, a lot of things have to fall into place. And the biggest thing is when Gobert returns, if the two of them can start to just really hum together and play extremely well together, the Jazz may say, great, this is working. We found our 4-5 combo. We're not going to mess with this. We're going to tweak the point guard. We're going to tweak, you know, whatever else we need to. But this is going to stay the same. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but for the most part, I just do not want the Jazz trading Derek Favors. Last little impression I want to talk about here is Alec Burks. You know, there is kind of a sentiment that he is back, um, so to speak. I'm not ready to say that he is back yet, but I am very, very encouraged. Um, honestly, it wasn't all that long ago that I was all but ready to count Burks out and just say stick him on the bench because he is just not reliable. He's not playing good defense and he's just not seeming like he's going to fit. And then all of a sudden lately, it just seems like a switch has clicked in Burks. He's getting things figured out. He's been playing a lot smarter. His defense has been much better. He's been a lot more in control. You know, there was a cool quote I saw floating around Twitter um, about how Cephalosha has been working with Burks and, and has helped him improve at defense. And it's cool to see Cephalosha take on a mentor role and, and to see Burks being willing to go to this veteran and getting help on something that he clearly knows he struggles at. Burks has not been a good defender in his career, uh, but he's been, he's been much improved of late. And so it's awesome to hear that Cephalosha has had a part in that. Honestly, I don't know how Burks fits in with the Jazz long term. I mean, maybe the Jazz are just pleased that he's playing better because they want to they wanna hopefully trade him and his contract away. But, you know, regardless of that, you know, as, as we're just cheering for the Jazz and hoping for their success this season, it's awesome to see what he's doing. He's been so much better. 
and I hope that he can keep it up. I hope it's not a fluke, and even though I'm not convinced that he's back yet, I, I want him to be, and I hope that he can continue to prove that he is. Real quick, you look at the last five games for Burks, and he scored 18 points on 55.9% shooting from the field and 47.6 from three. Uh, honestly, those do not sound like Alec Burksian type uh, numbers at all. Um, he, he hasn't been very efficient in his career, and those are ultra-efficient. Um, so it's pretty amazing. You look at the numbers of Mitchell, Favors, and Burks in the past five games, and it's pretty obvious why we're on this five-game winning streak. They've just been lighting it up. And some of it doesn't seem sustainable, but if those three can even you know stay somewhat close to the level they're at, the Jazz are going to be in great shape. And uh, for me, the biggest thing for Alec is just consistency. Hopefully he's finding a rhythm, he's figuring out how he can best fit in with this Jazz team, and things can just kind of click for him the rest of the year, and we'll see him be an effective guy off the bench for the remainder of the season. Um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. I'm not ready to jump on the Alec Burks bandwagon just yet, but I am hopeful and I'm encouraged at what we've seen from him so far. So those are my three impressions I wanted to talk about. You know, Quinn Snyder, Derek Favors, Alec Burks. Be interesting to see how each of those storylines kind of pans out for the rest of the year. But let's move on now to point number three, where I'll preview the week ahead. Point three. So as you guys are all aware by now, it's been kind of beat to death. Uh, the month of December is very brutal for the Jazz. You know, a lot of road games, uh, six-game road trip in there. A lot of great, great opponents. Pretty much all of them are playoff caliber teams. Um, it, it's not going to be easy, guys. We know that. It, it, a lot of people thought that, you know, December was going to be the month that just wrecked the Jazz and really tanked their record and put them in a bad spot. Um, I'm feeling a little more optimistic, you know, we're on this five game winning streak, the Jazz have looked really good, and if they can keep up this play, I think that they could get out of December better than some people think. Um, this week, you know, obviously we're into December already, the Jazz got the first win in December over the Pelicans, and this week ahead honestly is not as bad as some of the weeks coming up. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's still tough, we got four good opponents this week, but I do think the Jazz can take advantage this week and use it to kind of get off on the right foot, set a good tone for the rest of the month. And if they can take advantage of some winnable games this week, it could put them in a great spot. So first game they'll play is Monday. They will host the Washington Wizards um, in Salt Lake. I'm feeling good about this one. I mean, the Jazz are going to be fresh coming to this game. They've, they've had a couple days to rest and a couple days off from games. They played very well against Washington last year. Um, it was a team that Utah dominated pretty, pretty uh, easily. And also the Wizards are without John Wall. John Wall is injured right now. Um, they've been 2-2 two and two in his absence, so you know they're, they're still competing quite well. But I think without him, the Jazz are definitely going to have an edge. Um, you look at Washington this year, they've been a good team. They've had kind of an up-and-down start. They've been pretty inconsistent. But we know they're going to be right in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they are going to most likely be a playoff team, barring some sort of huge collapse. And so this is a team the Jazz have to watch out for, but I still think they're going to win. Um, you know, Bradley Bill, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, those are all guys the Wizards have that are going to make up for the loss of Wall. But without him, I just think Utah's going to come away victorious. I like their chances. I'm picking Utah on Monday. Tuesday, so second out of a back-to-back, -back, uh, the Jazz head for a, a quick little road stint to Oklahoma City. Um, that's going to be kind of a, kind of tough from a travel tra standpoint and all that, turning around after the game at home on Monday and heading straight to OKC. Uh, but the Jazz, you know, they beat up on the Thunder in the first meeting. That game was also on the second out of a back-to-back, -back, but it was in Salt Lake City. That was such a fun win. It was so exciting to see the Jazz just really take it to them. Obviously, in, in hindsight, it's not quite as impressive just because of how much the Thunder have struggled. And, you know, those struggles have been well chronicled this season. It's included everything from bad chemistry uh, to Carmelo Anthony being an issue to the team not being able to close out games uh, to being inefficient. 
But you know, amidst all that, amidst all these struggles that have been so apparent, they actually have been very good at home. Uh, just barely on Sunday night, they actually beat the Spurs um, in Oklahoma City on Sunday. So now the Thunder are 8-3 and three at home. Uh, they have a losing record because they only have two road wins, just like the Jazz do. But they're a very good home team. So that's going to make this a hard game for the Jazz. And quite honestly, as bad as the Thunder have been to start out the year, they're now 10-12. and 12. They just have too much talent to stay down for, for long. I think they're going to figure things out. Um, you know, they may have some kind of chemistry issues all throughout the year, and maybe they're never going to be quite as good as we thought they'd be during preseason or, or even as good as they should be on paper. But I think they're going to figure it out on some, to some extent. They are still going to be a playoff team, I believe. And I think that on Tuesday, with it being second half of back-to-back, um, being in Oklahoma City where the Thunder have played very well and, you know, the Jazz have struggled on the road all year, I think the Thunder get revenge and they're going to beat the Jazz on Tuesday. That's my prediction for that one. Uh, then Thursday, the Jazz will host the Houston Rockets. That one is one of those 8.30 uh, TNT games. I, actually, I absolutely love these games. I think it makes for a fun atmosphere. The fans are usually fired up. But this is going to be a tough one for the Jazz. Obviously, Houston has been playing incredible. They are the, the best team in the West right now at 18-4. They're undefeated since Chris Paul returned. And obviously, in the first game against the Jazz, they absolutely obliterated us. Um, you know, part of that was due to James Harden's big night. He had a career-high 56 points. His teammates simply couldn't miss. Uh, so hopefully the Jazz are, are ready to, to cope with that a little bit better this time. I have a hard time seeing Houston repeating that hot shooting night, especially on the road. And then the other ray of hope I have about this game is just that, you know, despite the fact that Houston was a better team than Utah last year, um, you know, in terms of their record and everything, uh, the Jazz played very well against them. The Jazz matched up extremely well against um, the Rockets. Of course, they didn't have Chris Paul last year. So that's kind of a new wrinkle they'll have to be ready for. But I feel like if Quinn Snyder and his team, if their style can continue to wear down um, D'Antoni's you know, style of play that the Rockets have, and if he can slow them down um, like, we, like the Jazz did such a good job of doing last year, then you never know. Utah could steal the upset win on their home court. We've played very well at home, and if that style can carry over and give them problems again this year, they could be in a good spot. Uh, with that being said, though, I, I think that could happen, and I want that to happen, obviously, but I'm going to predict Houston wins this one. They're just playing too well, and I do think with, with the Jazz being so banged up, um, it's going to be pretty tough for them to keep up with a Rockets team that's just been absolutely phenomenal. So hoping for the upset, uh, but not planning on it. Then the last game of the week, the Jazz will be at Milwaukee. That's where they'll be initiating. That'll be the first game of the six-game road trip they're going on. And, you know, the Jazz played very well against Milwaukee just over a week ago. They got the win at home. And last year, too, much like the Wizards, the Jazz played extremely well against the Bucks too. And even with that being the case, though, the uh, the Bucks have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is a superstar. He can go off at any time. He's someone the Jazz have to watch out for. But even with that being the case, I feel like the Jazz have done a very good job of containing him. And I think they can do it again. I think that they have a lot of confidence against the Milwaukee team. They know that they're good, but the Jazz also know very well that they can beat them. The biggest concern I have in this one is just the fact that the Jazz only have two road wins. So I'm not convinced that they're quite over their road woes. Um, they have a long way to go to prove that they can win away from Vivint Smart Home Arena. So this isn't going to be an easy victory by any means, um, but it is a game I think the Jazz will take. So I am going to pick them as winners in this one. That'll be awesome to get them started off on the right foot on this road trip. So hopefully that all ends up being the case. So with that, you know, I have the Jazz going 2-2 two and two on the week, beating Washington and Milwaukee, but losing to Oklahoma City and Houston. Um, but then again, you know, I had them pinned at 2-1 and one last week, and they ended up going 3-0. and oh. They exceeded my expectations, and they beat up on the Pelicans. So I hope that, that something similar can happen again. Honestly, all four of these games, whether I've picked them to be wins or losses for the Jazz, could go either way. 
Uh, so I think two and two is a pretty reasonable prediction. And more than anything, this is going to be a big test for the Jazz. As I said earlier, December's only going to get harder from here. So if the Jazz can take advantage of this week where it's not quite as daunting as it's going to be, that would be huge. And, you know, I feel like at least three of these four games, maybe Houston is just completely out of reach, but I feel like at least three of the four are very much winnable. And if the Jazz can, can go, you know, three and one this week, um, that's going to be huge for them. Um, one thing I've said it repeatedly both on the show and also um, on the jnotes.com, but if the Jazz can just continue to have weeks where they're going 500 or better, you know, maybe it's a 2-2 two and two week, a 2-1 and one week. You know, we can't expect perfection, especially during this crazy month of December, but if they can just make it a point of emphasis to, okay, let's at least go 500 this week, let's push for it, let's get it, it's going to help them be in an amazing spot at the end of December, and they can make a push and really look to, to go further in a much easier month of January. So, you know... December looked like doom and gloom coming in. Maybe it's still going to be pretty tough, um, but I'm liking Utah's chances um, this week, and I think things could go really good for them from there as well, especially if they keep playing the way that they have in this five-game winning streak. So anyway, that's going to wrap it up for today. Um, great week last week for the Jazz. Excited to see them hopefully carry that into this week, the eighth week of the 2017-18 season. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing either on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes. Um, also, make sure you're following at 3P Threat Podcast on Twitter, as well as keeping up to date with me on thejnotes.com. That's where I'm going to have all the uh, the shows posted as well as all the writing and all the articles that I, that I put up on there along with the rest of my great team. So without further ado, that's going to do it. Uh, so long, everybody, and go Jazz.